You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews 11. We've been in Hebrews for months now, just pouring over the Word of God, and it's been so rich. Amen? It's been rich for me. I want to... I want to talk about faith more so. So we we started talking about faith as agreement or trust in the character of God. So God has revealed himself to us and we have a choice in this um, relationship with the Lord to either agree with what he's revealed to us or to disagree with it, distrust. So that's what a lack of faith is, is to say we're going to disagree with what God has revealed to us about himself. That's a big deal. Like, to lack faith is, is a big offense to the Lord. And I, I say that with all compassion, empathy, and grace, tenderness in my heart. Um, but I want to continue in that, uh, in that conversation on faith. We're going to look at Hebrews 11. And this morning, I want to talk about the role of faith in the life of a believer, the role that it plays to fuel the purposes of God, to fuel us in pursuing the purposes of God. Not our own purposes, but the purposes of God. And let me get that straight. It's not you fulfilling the American dream. It's you fulfilling the purposes of God in your life. Faith is the fuel. Say that out loud. Faith is fuel. fuel. It's faith, and it's a certain type of faith. It's a certain type of faith um, in response to the revealed character of God. What what Jesus has revealed to us about himself, it's our response to that. It's our agreement with that. And that's what fuels us to see the purposes of God fulfilled on the earth. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11. I want us to think about faith as fuel. I don't want anybody in this place to leave feeling that they're running on empty, like they're running on fumes. I want the, I've just been all week long interceding for this weekend that God would rush into this place and fill hearts, not with just positive thoughts or just a little bit more grit to get by, but fill this place with a revelation of himself that fuels us. And we'll see in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, like the robust testimony that that is ours, inheritance that is ours, that should that should embolden us to trust God that he will reveal himself to us in a way that will fuel us for the purposes that he's called us to moving forward, amen? Um, I'll just start maybe with this, with this story. Um, our Christmas tradition in our home is to, is to always make a, a journey up north to Fargo, North Dakota. That's me and my wife's hometown, Fargo. Who, who, come on, Fargo. It's awesome. Okay, there's not really much in Fargo at all. But the people are sweet, sweet-hearted people. Um, that is the destination, it's the people in Fargo. It's awesome. But uh, So every Christmas, we make this journey up north. So uh, tradition in our home often is after the Christmas Eve service, we have amazing Christmas uh, Eve gathering with you all. And then we jet out of here and make a late-night drive through the night up north. And, um, and one Christmas Eve in particular, I've shared this story before, but I just wanted to illustrate our need for God, our need for a revelation, a fresh revelation of the relevant person of Jesus to fuel us. So inevitably, I'm driving through the night, and I got four kids, my wife, my four kids, and you know, the, and on some long journey, this is about a six and a half hour drive up north, 
uh, you kind of hit that last hour and it just feels like it's longer than the prior five hours. That last hour is just so long. And so that particular Christmas Eve, it was after 1230. I was actually on the phone with my brother. He was helping keep me awake. When all of a sudden I looked down, I looked at my fuel tank and I realized it was empty. It wasn't just at the E, it was below the E, if you know what I mean. Because there is that kind of, they're so gracious, those engineers, they're so gracious with our cars to like calibrate it so it actually goes below the E. And so most of us, hopefully you don't find that out, but I found that out that day. It goes well below the E. And, um, and so I quickly got off the phone with Tony because I could not concentrate on a conversation. I just had to begin to pray. Uh, I was getting so hot. It was this, this Christmas in particular. So now it's Christmas morning. Just keep in mind, it's Christmas morning, this particular Christmas morning, it was 25 below. Because you drive north, you cross that Minnesota border and it just plummets below zero. I don't know if you knew that. Like the temperature just plummets. It's like this magical barrier of tundra to the north. It's 25 below. So in my mind, everyone's sleeping in the car, including my wife. I'm just thinking through all these horrific scenarios of having to wake my family up because I failed as a father. And then we have to go find gas. And I have to, I'm still in my church clothes. I'm trucking through, this, through the snow to go find gas. Um, and, for, and unfortunately, to top this all off, we were in this region, this last 50 miles of Fargo, or to Fargo. There's just nothing there, okay? There's, there, there's no humans. There's no, there's some exits. But these exits do not have gas. There's no services. And then to top it all off, it's Christmas. So like even if there was a gas station, it's probably gonna be closed anyways. So I just began to pray in the spirit, just began to pray, seek the Lord, and I'm getting so hot. And this is getting worse and worse and worse in my mind. Mile after mile after mile, 15 miles it's going on like this. And finally we roll into an exit and roll into a gas station by the mercy of God, by the grace of God. And I was able to fuel up. It was totally God's grace. But it's forever scarred me and now I don't let it ever get below a quarter of a tank. It's just like the kids always ask me, why are we always filling up? Oh, just, just trust me, kids. We're going to fuel up constantly. But so it is in our life with the Lord. We're meant to be topped off with a fresh revelation to fuel us for the purposes of God, not living on empty. And there, so often I find in the church, and I found it in my own life, we, we live off a very minimalistic poverty mindset when it comes to our relationship to the Lord, eking by on fumes, eking by on the bare minimum of maybe what the, what the Lord revealed to us years ago, decades ago, but the Lord wants to give us fresh revelation, fresh bread, fresh fuel to sustain us for the purposes of God, amen? And I believe he's gonna do that this morning. He's gonna, he's gonna fill you with fresh faith, not just with positive thoughts, but with revelation of himself. That's so key, so key. That's a, that's a, a major uh, misunderstanding about faith. Mis, uh, faith gets mishandled a lot in the church, in the modern church, I'll just be honest, and I'm not casting stones, um, but there, there is a very shallow understanding of faith, which is mental assent or positive thoughts, just po positive, so honestly, if you sparse it through the teaching of much of the modern faith teaching, it can't be too far distinguished from just positive self-thought that self-talk self and self-thought that you hear on the college campus or you hear on YouTube anywhere, a TED talk or something. It's not much different than that. What we're gonna read about in here in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 is something altogether different. It's a faith given from the Lord that's meant to fuel us, a revelation of God. 
that fuels us. So it's not so much looking internally and beating ourselves over the head because we don't have faith. It's looking to him. That's why we spend so much time worshiping here. It's because we're actually bringing our thoughts to the Lord and we're saying, Lord, fix my eyes on you. I fix my eyes fully on you, the high and exalted one, the glorified Christ. And it's from that place, we feel our hearts rising to a place of faith. So interestingly enough, I had a conversation with a, a lady this week at a coffee shop who came up to me and I don't know why she felt like she had to tell me that she was confessing maybe, but she confessed that she had been to our church, but she couldn't make it through worship because worship was too long. And so... Again, I don't know why she felt like she had to tell me that, but she did. Um, But some people can't worship for how long we we like to worship, but I just don't know how to go about gathering the people of God any other way. Honestly. Like our flesh says we want to worship less. That's what what I think all of our minds say. We're like, I want to worship less. But we know what serves the people of God, what serves even my own spirit. And it's to bring myself past that barrier of just immaturity, that that barrier of my mind wandering and being distracted, wanting to move on to the next thing, to finally push through to the place of true faith where God is revealing himself to me and to us collectively as the people of God, amen? So good. So um, there's a reason to our madness and that's it. We worship because we we have to worship longer than 17 minutes. We we just have to um, in order to break past that flesh of our own immaturity. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 7, 11. It rhymes with 7. It's Hebrews 11, starting in verse 7. So there are two words you are going to see actually specifically 20 times in this passage, 20 times. And it's these two words, by faith. So you can either in your mind circle it or highlight it or you can actually circle it in your Bible because faith is fuel. That's what we said, right? Faith is fuel. So this life with God is fueled by something tangible. And it's a revelation of God to us to sustain us for the purposes of God. So we're gonna see this. It's the revealing of a person to these saints, to these Old Testament saints. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So we already see it twice there, by faith. This saint, this hero of the faith, Noah, was fueled by something. It was a revelation of a person. And to Noah, the person of God was revealed to him as, as one who was going to bring judgment. He had heard these stories of God being holy, as being a God that carries out certain consequences for sin because he had heard the stories of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. So he began to understand that God was a God of justice, but God revealed himself very specifically to Noah as a God who brings judgment to the earth. And so Noah had a choice, a choice in this. Was he going to agree with the character of God as revealed to him? as one who is actually a judge? And then would he give himself to the foolishness of building an ark that would become the savior for humanity, the the salvation vessel for humanity? Would he do that? And obviously, we know that he did. Amen. It's by faith. He's fueled by faith. So you can think of faith as fuel. This revelation of God is the thing that fuels us for the purposes of God. But this is not overly... um, 
focused on ourselves, the role that we play is, is pretty small when it comes to faith. We know, we know we're getting our understanding about faith wrong if we're putting a lot of focus on ourselves, okay? And so faith, oh, there it is. Faith is fuel. The revelation of God is what fuels us. But God is the one who brings the ignition point for that fuel. God's the spark plug. God's the ignition. What's, what's called upon us is to us actually get in the driver's seat, actually put the key in the ignition and turn it. The rest is all on the Lord. He is the combustible matter. He is the combustion itself. He is everything. But there is a partnership that we have with it to come into agreement. I am actually going to go sit in the car. I am going to actually turn it on. More car analogies for us. Okay, so by faith. Faith is fuel. Let's look at verse, nine, uh, yeah, verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So by faith, Abraham trusted that God was building something bigger than himself. This was a man who had a lot. Abraham was rich. Rich in his, in, in his uh, you know, livestock and his servants and all of his belongings. He was, he's a wealthy man. But he has this revelation of what God is like and that God wants to build something even greater. So he's willing to leave it all to go and trust that God is building something. What was revealed to him is Jesus. Jesus was revealed to Abraham. Let us never misconstrue this reality that these Old Testament saints were not saved by works. They were not saved by this. Romans chapter four says that Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the same righteousness that we receive, that he received through faith. It's something was revealed to him as the person of Jesus. That's what was revealed to Abraham. We're only saved by that, that grace through faith that comes from the person of Jesus. And so, 1 Peter chapter two tells us that the Lord is our builder and, he, and we're living stones and he's building us together to be this, this spiritual house. Abraham had that revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah received herself, or sorry, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as, in, as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So here's, here's Sarah. And I mean, let's just be honest. If you go back and read the, the accounts in Genesis, you know, it tells many more of the details of these heroes of the faith, and we'll know that these were not perfect people. So again, the, the overarching testimony is the testimony of Jesus through these people. It's not through their perfection. It's the strength that the Lord uses faith as a conduit for his purposes. And, and Sarah, again, agree, agreed with this revelation of God that God was gonna build for himself a people, even in the seeming, in seemingly impossible. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 
If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They chose the revelation of God over their circumstances, over what they saw with their eyes. It says they had the choice to look back where they came from, but rather they chose the destination the Lord had plotted out for them. We will live on empty if we're constantly looking backwards, thinking what we left, what, you know, what the Lord called us to sacrifice for his purposes. When we're fixed backwards, I'm telling you, we'll be depleted. We will be living on empty. Faith fuels us looking forward, and that's what we find in the testimony of God's people here. Amen? Okay, here it is, verse 17 again. By faith, because faith is fuel, right? Faith is fuel. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom he said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. I mean, so the, the act of faith that this was, was phenomenal. He had such a revelation of God as both the provider of the sacrifice and the sacrifice himself that he and the one who would bring about this promise of a nation that he was willing to lay his only son on the altar this is this is seismic in verse 19 he considered that god was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking he did he did receive him back that is that this is our rich inheritance in the Lord. We're standing on the ground of these heroes of the faith that had a revelation of God. God as the sacrifice, as the provider of the sacrifice, and through that revelation, they agreed. They trusted it, even when it was painful. And obviously, the Lord provided the sacrifice. There, tied up in the, the, the thicket of, of thorns, the Lord provided the sacrifice. Verse 20, it says, by faith, because faith is fuel. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on God, or on Jacob and Esau. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So so even Joseph, at the end of his life, when he prophesied, check it out, the last few verses of the book of Genesis, Joseph prophesies about what's going to come 400 years later, that God would deliver them. So Joseph had this revelation that God was their deliverer, that God has these mysterious ways of working out good in the midst of what looks like evil, and God will bring about his deliverance and his plan. And you know, when, when we said Isaac and Jacob, they were ones who had a revelation of God as the one who's going to be the king of a nation in the king of a people set apart for himself and they agreed with it. And that revelation fueled them. Are you guys tracking with me? Yep. Okay, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You're gonna see a, a pattern here of how being afraid and faith are in completely different um, realms and different worlds. These parents, the parents of, of Moses, in protecting Moses, they were not acting in fear. It, scripture says this. Inspired word of God says that Moses' parents were not acting in fear when they, they, they put him aside, set him aside, and sent him down the, the Nile River. It was, there, was, there was no fear in that. It was faith. 
What was it? What, what did they see? There was a revelation of the beauty of God, of what God was going to bring about in this, in this little boy's life that actually fueled them. And scripture says that they were not afraid. That, that's like, this is like fuel for our parenting. If you want to, if you want to be a parent that, that parents well, make sure that you're being fueled by faith for your kids and not fear. All right? Amen? I mean, come on. Not controlling, not, not seeking to control everything, but rather faith. I, I've, I've been allowing this to fuel my, my prayer life over my kids. I can discern when I'm praying in fear when I'm, versus when I'm praying in faith. When I'm saying, Lord, thank you for the beauty that you've placed on the, and the purposes of God upon these children. Thank you for, for raising them up as worshipers. That, those are prayers of faith. When you're calling out the purposes and the destinies, the destiny of God upon your children versus prayers of fear. I'm speaking to myself because I, I found myself, and that's something that's shifted in my heart over the last number, number of months as I've prayed over my kids. That's challenging. Verse 24 says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, again, is affirmation of what I said earlier. It's only the revelation of Jesus that saves us, and so it was with the heroes of the faith. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So for the sake of time, we don't have, we're not gonna be able to go into all of this, but there's so much that was entrusted to Moses that he chose to agree with. So much about the revelation of Jesus. So much was revealed to him. And he, he, he decided to, um, you know, uh, consider himself in, a, in relationship, associate himself with the things of the Lord, even in its foolishness, rather than the pleasures of Egypt and royalty that he was, that he was, that he was raised in. But by faith, again, he was not afraid of the king, but rather the fuel of the revelation of God fueled him to go and stand before him because he had more fear of, fear of the invisible than the fear of of what he saw right in front of him. And then again, he had the revelation of the, the sprinkled blood over the mantles that sustained the people of God for centuries. And verse 29, by faith, this is still the testimony of Moses, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had, give, she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So God had revealed himself as deliverer. He had, he had revealed himself as the, the warrior that would go before them and defeat the enemies, and they chose to agree with that. That's what fueled them in the purposes of God. And when they stepped outside of that, they got in trouble, right? And there was oftentimes judgment. But when they agreed with God, God brought the breakthrough. Verse 32. So what, I know this is a, this is a lot of scripture, but this is just like a, a baptism, an immersion in the revelation of God that will fuel you. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, so there it is again, through faith, this is what fueled them, is the revelation of God, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by resurrection. So this huge long list of the breakthroughs for, not their own purposes, you know, not just so they could build their resume so people would be impressed with them, it's for the purposes of God. And that's key. This doesn't just build up you so you can go pursue your dreams. This is to fuel you to pursue the purposes of God. And that's why God gave the breakthrough. And time and time again, that's why God will bring the breakthrough in our day. It's the revelation of God that fuels us to see the breakthrough happen again here in Ames, to see it happen in our families, to see it happen in our neighborhoods, to see it on campus. It's the revelation of God that says, this is now, this is for now. It's the kingdom of God breaking in. But we're gonna see another side to it here. It's also faith for the disappointment. Verse, the end of verse 35, it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. So it's both, and the two are not, in this side of heaven, the two are not in conflict. A key point that maybe I didn't distinguish early on Faith is fuel for us as we keep our eyes fixed on heaven and, and the journey the Lord has for us. Our destiny, our inheritance to the Lord. That is, that is our future, it's our hope. There, there is coming a day when we will not need faith. Paul said, faith, hope, and love exist. The greatest of these is, is love. It's because love is eternal. Love will always exist. This two-way exchange of love relationship with an eternal God that will always exist. But in heaven, faith and hope will not exist. It won't be needed. We won't need to be fueled by that. We won't need to agree with it. We will be in constant agreement as we look at the Lord, their eyes fixed on him. And so this side of heaven, both sides of this exist, both the breakthrough for the purpose and the disappointment when things don't seem like they go just as we thought they would go. And we're seeing the other side of that here. Some were mocked, some were flogged, even chained and imprisoned. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. And they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These were ones who were a rare breed on the earth. These ones who had an identity that the world could not even distinguish or discern. It was, it was a value given to them by their creator, by God, a destiny upon them that they were, they were immoved from. The world was now worthy of these ones. It's really interesting when it comes to, you know, understanding faith properly. A major part of the role of faith in, our, in, in the life of a believer is to fuel us through disappointment. That scripture in Romans chapter eight, this is on many refrigerator magnets um, today or wall de decorations that 
that God works all things together for the, for the sake of those who love him, right? God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to who? His purposes. Not your purposes, not your dreams, but God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. But the context in Romans 8 is really, really enlightening. It's very similar to, to Hebrews chapter 11. He talks about the, the groaning on the earth, like the pain of living life on this or this side of heaven that comes with disappointment. It comes with things not looking like maybe they should or we thought they should. But yet our faith is fixed on a God who works all things together. He, in his wisdom, in his mastery, in his in his sovereignty, works things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, whose eyes are fixed on that destination of his purposes. They realize this is his journey. And so whether things work out like, like I think they should or whether they don't, I'm gonna trust him. I would rather you know, fail trying rather than fail to try at all, you know, rather than not even get into the, the driver's seat at all. I'd rather leap, take this leap of faith and trust the Lord and look like a fool than fail to try at all. Verse 39, because this is, this is all building to something so beautiful that I pray will will wreck you today. I pray it will wreck you and wreck your week and wreck your month. Verse 39, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the hall of faith is the ground on which we walk. It's not the, it's not the, the pinnacle of faith, but rather it's the base of this mountain. God has revealed himself to the saints of the Old Testament, but we have been given something better. It's the full revelation of Jesus given to us when he came and lived amongst us for 33 years and lived a perfect life and revealed the character of the kingdom of God and the the character of the Father, by doing mighty works of miracles in our midst. We have been entrusted with something even better. That's what he said, verse 39. We have been given something even better. And so if this is the testimony that, that we have, we read through the heroes of the faith, and it inspires us and it fuels us, it fuels us all the more. It says we look to Jesus now, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is both the, the originator of this faith, and he is the one who is bringing it into fruition, into something even greater, into something perfect, a perfect faith in him. And he did it both through his example and he does it through his abiding presence now. I'm gonna invite Scott to come forward to the keys because I want us to respond to the Lord, but in summary, really there's, there's three I would say stages of faith. 
that are, um, I, I wanna discern the difference between types of faith. There is, there's a faith in power that I think is significant, specifically the power of God. You know, our, um, we, can, we can see a miracle, we can see something, some mighty work of God, and we can say, okay, God can do the miraculous. He can do something amazing. God is alive, he exists, he's real. It jars us. But that's, I would say, a lower level of faith, faith in the power of God. The second type of faith, which is, I would say, even a little greater than that, is a faith in the promises of God. It's a sense that God has destiny, he has purposes, he has a, uh, a sovereign wisdom to weave things together for his purposes. And there can be a faith in his promises, in his spoken word. But the greatest type of faith, and I think it's, it's spoken so clearly in Hebrews chapter 12, the greatest type of faith is faith in a person. And this is the faith that will fill you, fuel you through both breakthrough and disappointment. This is, the, this is the, fu the fuel for that fire burning in you in thick or thin, in plenty or in lack. To see the miraculous breakthrough and also at times to deal with what seems to be real disappointment or backlash or persecution or, or roadblocks. And so all the more than we look to Jesus and we say, God, perfect my faith. And his response to that is the revealing of himself. That's what he does. He reveals himself again. He says, child, I'm enough. I am enough. And he reveals himself as a person to you in your life in a real way that fuels you yet again to continue on the journey, to continue with another step, to continue another mile down that path, walking down that road towards God's purposes for your life and for his bride, for his church. Are you guys tracking with me? This is real life. For this to be the thing that fuels you, God revealing himself to you as a person to fuel you for the journey. I want us to respond to the Lord. Can you just close your eyes in this place? Respond to the Lord. I know we went through a lot of scripture. If you're here in this place this morning and as we walk through so much of the Old Testament scripture illustrations, if you felt that all overwhelmed, I would encourage you to flip that on head, flip that on the enemy and just allow that to fuel a hunger for God's word in your life. If you're like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'd heard much about those parts of Moses' life or Abraham's life, can I just encourage you, go this week even and dive into the word all afresh. In a fresh way, let it fuel a hunger for God's word, the revelation of himself in scripture. That's a side note. Lord, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. And I speak that over this house this morning. Faith is fuel. This is what you've given us to sustain us this side of heaven. So Lord, I pray that you would pour out in this place fresh understanding 
of your relevant, abiding presence in every life gathered here today and every life that's represented here in this place this morning. Your tangible, personal reality over every heart and over every mind that would fuel us. Fuel us for the purposes of God. If we have embraced our own purposes and then try to to um, stamp your name on it, Lord, we turn from that. We repent of that. We don't want our purposes. We want your purposes. But in that, when we agree with your purposes and surrender our lives to your purposes, we can have a confidence that you're going to fuel us for it. So God, I pray that you'd reveal your heart in your very relevant abiding presence to every single person here with a freshness, with a tangible sense of its relevant power now, I pray in your name, Jesus. an excruciating story of faith. But John chapter four, there's a story of this official. So he's a leader. He's used to telling people what to do. And he's got a sick son at home. And this official, he lives in a town called Cana. And he hears that Jesus is in Capernaum. So this is 25 miles. It's like from Ames to Ankeny. So imagine this. He hears word of this healer this powerful rabbi and teacher, and he humbles himself to to go and seek him out. He humbles himself and he walks 25 miles to Jesus. He says, Jesus, my my son is sick. Can you heal him? Jesus makes a, a very interesting statement. He's saying, you believe because you see, you've seen signs and wonders. You've seen signs of his power, and so you believe. He's making a statement about that lower level of faith, which is faith in a power, faith in the power of God, and he's calling him to something greater. And so he, he gives him an invitation. He says, go, I'm not gonna go with you, but rather go back to your son, your son will live. He gives him that next level of faith, which is faith in a promise. He says, your son will live. But I can tell you that on that journey, I'm sure there were moments when that father was (laughs) maybe doubting or wavering or waffling a little bit. Whether or not he's going to agree. Is he going to continue to take one step forward? Is he going to continue walking? What probably took him six hours to walk back to Cana? So as he's making his journey back, he's making his slow walk back to Cana from Capernaum, 25 miles. He's in this constant place of saying, I'm going to believe and trust 
what's been revealed to me about this one, that he is healer, that he is something else, that he's more than enough. And then as he's on his journey, a six hour journey back to Cana, some of his servants come and they tell him, your son is alive. And he did the math and he realized it was right when Jesus said, your son will live, that his son came back to life. His son came back to full health and was fully restored. What a vivid picture for us of the invitation that the Lord gives us to trust in his person, to trust in his presence, that he is enough. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.